0: Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Well, good morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Well, this is our second week in our new series, Words That Speak Life. And I love this, this image here and the, and the verse that goes with it because Proverbs 18.21 really sums up what we're aiming at in this series. It's got the, the big idea here that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you think about that for a minute and you think, what an awesome responsibility the Lord has given each one of us that with our mouths that he created, we now have the opportunity to go and speak life into other people's lives. But at the same time, we recognize that same mouth can just as easily speak death into their lives as well. So this is a series all about how we can have words that speak life and our interactions with one another. And if you've gotten the sermon schedule for this series, you may notice this is a little bit different from what we do typically. Typically in our series, we have pretty decent sized chunk of text each Sunday and we go verse by verse and talk it out. But as we seek to sum up the, the last 20 chapters of the book of Proverbs, he doesn't write that way. You see, each verse is kind of like its own nugget of wisdom in the Proverbs. And so what we are trying to do now is, with our sermon series, get the big ideas going on with these last 20 chapters of Proverbs. So today, we are going to ask a question. It's, am I, speak, am I quick to speak or to listen, I may need your help back there, tech team. Gone out on me. Am I quick to speak or quick to listen? And I'll just go ahead and and be bold enough to suggest if you drove up to church this morning and you saw that question on the sign out front and you immediately answered for yourself, this sermon might be for you. Now on the flip side, if you leave this morning and you still don't know which of these two camps you would tend to fall in, Those of you that are married, just ask your spouse. I'm sure they would uh, be eager to enlighten you as to which one. But with that being said, let's open in a word of prayer before we dive into our text this morning. Father God, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for today and bringing out the body to worship together and to lift our voices up to you and magnify the name of Christ. Father, I pray that you would uh, bless our service today, that you would help us to just be slow to speak, and to focus on who you are and your character. Father, I pray that you would would shine bright out of this sermon and out of our text that we're going to look at today. Father, that you would continue to equip us to speak words of life to those that we interact with each day. I pray that you would uh, give me clarity of speech, and, and thank you for this opportunity. In your name, amen. All right. Well, last week, Rance opened this series with a different question. And it was, do my words build up or tear down? And so the focus of last week's message was on the importance of encouraging one another. And through encouraging one another, we can build people up and help point them to Christ. But this morning, what we're going to see is that sometimes the most encouraging thing that you can do for somebody else is not to speak. That sometimes the most encouraging thing is for you to simply listen to ask them questions and not rush to give your input into any into the situation that they're going through this morning we are going to begin in proverbs chapter 18 verse 13 with this piece of wisdom will you change the slide for me proverbs eighteen thirteen says he who answers a matter before he hears it it is folly and shame to him now Hopefully, you know, we've spent a lot of time looking at Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. So hopefully, by this point, all of us can think, when we, when we think about Lady Folly, we can all say we don't want to follow her. That whatever she is doing, we want to do the opposite. And so here in, in, in verse 13, we should get some alarm bells going off because we see that word again, folly. And since nobody wants to be with Lady Folly... We need to know how we avoid this folly that verse thirteen is talking about. So what does the text mean by answering a matter before you hear it? All right, and, I, and I'll throw myself under the bus here because there's different ways that we hear things, right? This is not talking about the the sound waves that come out of my my mouth, into your ears, and then you hear that as noise. this is This is something different. So Sarah, Sometimes will be talking to me, right? And and maybe I'm distracted on my phone or there's a ball game on or I'm just tired. I'm like staring at the wall, right? No thoughts going in my head. And she's trying to tell me this story and and she's getting all these details going on and I'm just, you know, "Uh uh-huh. Oh, wow, you know. Well, eventually she'll stop. Say, did you just hear a word I said? Now I may be able to regurgitate those words back to her, And yet that's hardly the point, because I wasn't really listening. Even though I heard her words, I was failing to understand the heart behind the words. I was ignoring that part. And that's the idea that this text is talking about. This is not just, okay, we wait and we hear the issue that's going on, and then we can just, you know, jump the gun and speak. This is understand what's at play. Understand the heart of the individual behind it. Understand the heart of the situation at at play. And so next slide. Wisdom instructs me to listen, to understand. Now I've already thrown myself under the bus, but maybe you can identify with this too. Maybe you've been in conversation with somebody and you've tried to share something going on and you can just tell man they are like chomping at the bit to get their word in. So you know like you're telling them this thing and you kind of Subconsciously, start rushing through your sentence so that you can finish and get this last word out before they interrupt you. And then, as soon as you take a breath, man, here they come, and they are just going to tell you this story, it may not have anything to do with what you just said. And and a lot of times we have conversations like that, and what you recognize is you're not even talking with that person; you're just two people talking at one another, and neither one of you really knows what the other one said but at least you got your story out. And that is really kind of the default of, of conversation a lot of times. But as easy as it is to fall into that, it's also really easy to be intentional with our words and to listen, to understand. This, this can happen every single day, all right? So this is as simple as someone coming up to you or, or for you coming up to them, and you're just asking, hey, how are you? And I know typically what you'll get is, I'm good, right? And then you move on because that's kind of what we do. Uh, but, but don't let that happen. Lean into that question. You, you can stop them. It's okay to get a little bit awkward, right? Like, no, I really want to know how you're doing. Tell me how your week's been. What are you learning? What are you struggling with? And as they answer that, then step back. Give them time and space for them to answer the question, And as they're answering, be listening to understand so that you can then ask follow-up questions. And all of this is an exercise in putting ourselves in the place of another. And as we get to ask them questions, and as we are quick to listen and slow to speak back, the Lord can do really awesome things through those conversations. If you've ever been on the receiving end of that kind of intentionality, you know how special it is. Sarah and I got this reminder just a couple weeks ago. We were... Uh, facing kind of some challenges and and we had decided to throw ourselves a pity party and we had some friends that knew what was going on they knew what state we were in Uh, and so they just invited us over for ice cream and to talk and who doesn't love ice cream right so we go over to their house we sit at their table and we just share ice cream together and they listened And we got to share the things that we were struggling with, our our emotions with that, our reactions to these things that weren't good. And they listened. The whole time, they could have one-upped us. They could have said, well, you think that's bad? Like, wait till you hear this, right? And, And shared a different story. Or they could have countered every sentence we spoke with a Bible verse for how to whip us into shape. And those verses would have been correct, but it wouldn't have been helpful in the moment. You see, what we needed Was for somebody, friends of ours, to listen, to sympathize with where we were, and then to help regain our focus on what mattered. And that's what they did. And so after that time with our friends, we were ready. We were able to to shift our focus back to what matters and get the attention off of ourselves. And they had spoken life into our situation by barely saying anything at all, but by listening and being intentional with us. But how many of you have been where Sarah and I were only to have the person on the other end not listen to you, to constantly interrupt you, to barely let you speak because they were intent on commanding that conversation? Maybe you've been that person. The warning here in Proverbs 18 is that if we don't listen to understand others, but merely wait our turn to talk, Or if we just interrupt them so we can talk to dominate the entire conversation, we're actually following Lady Folly. So for those of you that have been in life group, you're familiar with these 10 guidelines that we have. And at the beginning of each new life group, the the facilitator for the group will bring out these guidelines. And and he shares kind of the, the rules of the group. Because we want life group to be a time of discipleship where we focus on the word and we allow the Holy Spirit to show us how to live in light of what the word says. And perhaps nothing gets in the way of this process more than someone choosing to interrupt, to dominate the conversation, or to speak without listening to the other members of the group. Which is why out of the 10 guidelines for life group, six of these have to do with listening to others. I'm gonna hit the high points on these real quick so you'll get the idea. One of these guidelines is just simply to listen. By listening and not speaking, we are communicating that that other person has value and that we care about what they're going through. We care about what they have to say. Another one is no distractions, right? So, so if Jeremy's over here trying to share to the group what's going on, maybe it doesn't really apply to me, so I start having a side conversation with Scott. All right, what have I just communicated to Jeremy? It's not valuable enough to listen to. So as we seek to help people where they are and seek to understand where they're coming from, we have to be sure that we are eliminating distractions. Two of my favorite guidelines here are no fixing and no rescuing. All right, men, we like to fix. All right, you may not be a handyman, but you still like to fix stuff. And I learned real quick in marriage that our wives don't necessarily want us to fix everything they bring to us. So here's the tendency as we seek to, to help other people, they're going to be bringing problems to us. And our first reaction is, I know what to do. Follow these three steps and you'll be good to go. And what we miss in that moment by injecting our opinion in there, I mean, we may totally miss what God is trying to teach that person in that situation. Not to mention our solution may not even be right for that problem. But rather than seeking to to fix things right away, what we should do, what wisdom counsels us to do, is to listen to understand, provide encouragement, to speak the truth in love, and to point the other person to Jesus and what the Bible has to say about this issue. And then you get no rescuing. And this one is very difficult as well because as you ask people how they're doing and they are working through these thoughts and these feelings that maybe they've never verbalized to anyone, that can be a messy process. And so you you will have somebody stammering a lot. They might be looking for a word, and the worst thing you can do there is give them that word. Because then you shut them down. They have the word and then it's like, okay, well now what? And and then as they continue to seek through what they're what they're struggling with, what they're learning, sometimes emotions will start to well up in them. All right? And so they can cry. And our natural response is like to put a band-aid on that and get, you know, move that conversation along because tears can make it awkward. And yet, out of our love for the other person, we should just let that emotion out. Let them feel what they felt inside and let them share that with somebody else. And then you can use that to point them to Jesus and to his words of life in that situation. The last guideline that has to do with with listening. It's just to be self-aware, right? And this is, sounds really simple, it's hard in the moment, but if I've been talking with you for 10 minutes and I've taken up nine and a half minutes of that time just by me talking, it's probably time for me to sit back and let you speak. So the, the disciple maker is always seeking the other person's best interest. And that's never just having me ramble for the whole conversation. You see, all of these guidelines that I mentioned are about listening to hear and understand the other person. Because light bulb moments happen as we give people space, time, and silence to work out issues and allow the Holy Spirit to lead into all truth. And it's out of that hearing that we can help one another learn to love and live like Jesus. This is not our natural response when listening to others. And, and as I've mentioned, when we think we know the answer to a situation, you know, we, that can be a a source of pride for us, and we'll just tell people like it is. And yet, while you may be right, you've gone about it all wrong, and it's not helped them at all. You see, wisdom instructs me to stop and listen, to ask questions, to point the other person to the living word, allowing him to be the focus, not me and my words. And isn't it interesting, as you think about the life of Jesus, that if anyone could have dominated the conversation, could have stopped people in the middle of their talking through things or trumped their stories with his own, it would have been Jesus. I mean, he knew the answer to everyone's problem before they spoke. And yet, do we ever see Jesus bulldoze over other people? Do we ever see Jesus dominate the conversation by continually interrupting the other person? No. No. When he approaches a blind beggar, what's the first thing he does? He asks if he wants to be healed. How many of us, we just heal him on the spot and keep going, right? But Jesus was so intentional, and he is our model for asking questions, for giving others time and space to work things out and just listen. And when we follow the wisdom found in Proverbs 18, 13, we are learning how to interact with people the way that Jesus did. But if Jesus is our positive example here, we also get a negative example in the Gospels for what this doesn't look like. All right, we, There's this guy, and he's famous for injecting his personal opinion and his own commentary on any situation. He spoke without thinking, all right, and, and it got him into a lot of embarrassing and bad situations. You guys probably already know who I'm talking about. Peter, right? Peter was notorious for this. And he just couldn't help himself. So, throughout the Gospels, he's quick to speak and he's slow to listen. And you think about these kind of the, the famous times, like when Jesus is at the Mount of Transfiguration and he's speaking with the Father, and he's got Moses and Elijah there, and, and Peter's one of the special few chosen disciples to see this moment. And while everybody else is like awestruck at what is happening, there's Peter. Peter, Peter says, Lord, we should construct three monuments to you guys. And he gets chastised by the Father because he wouldn't just listen and take in the glory of God that was in front of him. And then we also get examples of Peter. Uh, you think about one of the most profound acts of servitude we have in the Bible. In the upper room when Jesus goes to wash his disciples' feet. And he gets to Peter and Peter says, Lord, you are not going to wash my feet. Because Peter was so focused on his own understanding that he was refusing to hear the words of God. But our specific example is going to come from Matthew 16. And and in this uh, section, Peter is following Lady Folly to a T. And we're going to see it. But before we read it, just want to give you a little bit of context. This is the very next section right after Peter gives one of the most profound statements of faith that we have in Jesus' earthly ministry. When Jesus asks the disciples who did they say that he is, and Peter says, you are the Christ." the son of the living God. And so right after that interaction, Matthew jumps to this section, and we'll, we'll go ahead and read this. He says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So I just want you to picture this scene. And you've got Jesus who, yes, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And so he's got to be hurting at the idea of the cross that awaits him in just a, a little while. We know that the crucifixion weighed heavily on his mind. And so he's dealing with that, but he's also trying to to coach his disciples along. He's trying to ready their hearts for what's about to happen because they have no clue this is coming. And in the middle of sharing this, Peter decides to be the fix-it guy. Instead of listening for understanding, he he isn't leaving any room for silence. Instead of asking Jesus how he is handling it, how Jesus is doing carrying this load, he's just gonna give his unsolicited advice. And so Christ's response here seems pretty harsh. But consider this, Peter is actually following lady folly. When, When we apply Proverbs 18, 13 to Peter's response here, you see he is right in line with folly. Because in the advice that he's giving, Peter is only searching his own human understanding. And and typically, the advice to say, hey, don't go get killed, seems like pretty good advice. That may not be something that you feel like he should have consulted the Lord on. But just look at what happened. By giving this human reasoning and not letting godly wisdom dictate the, the situation, Peter was essentially tempting Jesus to forsake the Father's will for Jesus' own desire. Now, that is a temptation that is as old as the Garden of Eden. And so Jesus rightly rebukes Peter, saying that he's serving as the mouthpiece for Satan. So our second thing that wisdom instructs us to instructs us to do this morning is to pray before I advise. When people come to you with their problems and they seek counsel, they seek encouragement. All right. One of the worst things we can do is just give an off the cuff answer. Well, I think you should do this. All right. That'll get you in trouble. And it may not help the other person at all. So when somebody comes to you for counsel, when they're seeking advice, before you give it to them, pause, pray, invite the divine perspective into the situation before you offer counsel to anyone. Because the minute that we abandon godly wisdom and embrace our own understanding, then we are speaking on behalf of Lady Folly. So instead of that, what we want, if we want to love and live like Jesus, we must rely on godly wisdom as we listen to people and seek to under to help them in their broken situations. And as we listen to understand and as we pray before we advise, God gets to use us in really special ways. You see, as we're walking in step with the Spirit, we get to become conduits of God's love to others. So that when they interact with us, we're giving them life and love that have come from the Father to us and now flow through us to them. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, we see that our our topic this morning of being quick to uh, listen rather than quick to speak is connected with this flow through principle. So look at this with me in James 1. He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now I know verse 19 is a pretty familiar verse, but it's verse 20 that I've had stuck in my mind all week. See, what are we aiming at in our relationships with one another? For James, he makes it clear. He points us to this this production of the righteousness of God, that the righteousness of God would flow through him And to other people so that he's just a conduit of the Father to others. So do you see that flow through principle with James but also how it applies to us? You see, wisdom instructs me to allow Christ's heart to flow through me. And as I learn to love and live like Jesus, thinking his thoughts after him, well then his attitude, his love, his joy, his peace, gentleness, kindness, those will flow through me, and then I get to partner with God to help others join in on this flow-through process as well. But isn't it interesting that James 1 adds another dimension to our original question? So far, we've looked at whether we are quick to speak or quick to listen, but here in James 1, there's another uh, question for us. Am I quick to wrath? Now, you may read that in James 1 and think, what does that have to do with being quick to speak or quick to listen. But isn't it true that we are most likely to say something that we regret, to speak death into someone else's life when we're angry? I mean, how many of you guys get really angry and at the same time really calm, cool, collected, and you're gonna hear somebody else's thoughts and consider their viewpoint, right? That doesn't go together. And so when you're angry in a situation, your first response is to let it out, right? we're going to. We're going to go tell someone off. We're going to post on Facebook. We're going to be passive aggressive towards that person until they get the idea that we're not happy with them. And so so those things, that's not how the disciple should live. And so in our pursuit to be quick to hear and slow to speak, we must also focus on being slow to wrath. And as it turns out, Proverbs also has something to say about this as well. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. And there we read, a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. You see, even when I've been wronged, when the world says I have a right to be angry, wisdom counsels me to not hang on to it. So wisdom instructs me to abandon self-righteous anger. So let me illustrate. When I was in college, my freshman year, I got paired with this roommate I'd never met before, and he was one year ahead of me. He's a sophomore. And uh, we started rooming together. And at first, it was kind of awkward, right? You get to know this person that you're literally sharing your, like, 10 by 5 room with. Uh, But over time, he and I got to be really close friends. And by the end of my freshman year, we had decided to room together the next year. And that went really well. Our friendship grew. We stayed connected and tight. And so we decided to room again the next year, his senior year, my junior year. Well, there was a time in in that junior year for me, Sarah and I were dating, and it was like January, February uh, of the new semester, and I had Sarah over to our dorm room. My roommate was gone, and, and we're watching a movie or something, and he comes in, and he is the rudest I think anybody has ever been to Sarah that I've been around. And she ended up leaving that room in tears with me escorting her back to her room. But I came back and when I came back, I had let anger control my entire demeanor. And I went into that room where my roommate, my friend for two and a half years was, and I threatened him. And I spoke death into this relationship. And I told you the month of this fight, that it was January or February, because from that time until his graduation in May, we lived in the same room together and never spoke. So I had a legitimate thing that I needed to address with him. But how much better would it have been to approach my roommate in control of my anger, to stop, breathe, focus, and then go talk to him about this issue, talk about the principles, why this wasn't okay rather than let my anger fuel me for the next three to four months of our time rooming together. My former friend graduated college that May without so much as a congratulations from me, who had lived with him for three years. Now, I tell you that to hopefully help you avoid a similar situation. Because whatever your situation is, no matter what someone has done to you, Our Father does not want to see us controlled by anger that will speak death into our lives and the lives of those around us. When we allow our anger to produce outbursts of rage, it's absolutely devastating for people who need to hear and see the love of Jesus in their lives. My former roommate and I continued not to speak for the next three years until one day in 2020 we were both at a mutual friend's wedding. And in those three years, the Lord had convicted me of my anger, and I had been able to let it go. And so I walked up to my old roommate at this wedding, and I just said, I'm sorry. And you know what he did? He immediately apologized as well, and immediately our relationship was restored. See, God had allowed a relationship that I and my flesh had killed, that I had spoke death into, to be resurrected and for that fellowship to be restored with my former friend. So if you've not been quick to listen, if you've looked at these verses, if you've heard the sermon this morning and you think, man, I'm guilty of this, I've not been quick to listen. If you've instead been quick to wrath and quick to speak, then let me be an example for you to lean into the grace that Jesus offers each and every one of us and allow wisdom to instruct you in your relationships. Because Jesus can bring life into areas where death has reigned, and he is seeking people who will allow his heart to flow through them to reach others with his life-giving word. But let me be clear, because unfortunately, this process does not guarantee success with everyone. See, the reality is you can dedicate your entire life to pursuing godly wisdom, to being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, and still get rejected by people and still watch people that you love allow death to reign in their lives. Our series is on words that speak life, but let me clarify that we aren't selling some five-step process to a better you. What we are committed to is living life together, focusing on the words of Jesus so that we can speak life to one another. But the moment that we think that words of life come from us, from our experience, from our knowledge and our wisdom, We are actually in danger of speaking death to those that we are wanting to help because words of life must come from the one who is the life whose ways are higher than our ways whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts so when we seek to counsel one another in godly wisdom we must not go with our gut or with our opinion or with our feelings we must consult the word of god Through prayer and quiet, let us boldly approach the throne of God and ask for divine wisdom to be injected into these situations in life that we come into and that we help others through as well. Because his wisdom is what will give life to to our lives and to the situation. We have a special opportunity with our mouth to speak life into other people's lives Our hope is that you will join us in our pursuit of loving and living like Jesus so that you too can be a mouthpiece for speaking life into others' lives. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for the wisdom in Proverbs. Thank you for your counsel for us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Father, we thank you for how you expound on this in the book of James. Lord, and for your grace that meets us every step of the way. Father, if you can turn someone like Peter who had relied on his own understanding and his own wisdom for his entire life to then be the apostle that helped build your early church. Father, what can you do in our lives? What what life can you speak into dead relationships, into reactions that, that are modeled after Lady Folly? Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the insight, the clarity, to follow after Jesus, to speak his words after him, to think his thoughts after him. Thank you for all that you do for us. I pray that you would help us this week to be aware of when we are quick to speak rather than quick to listen. And I pray that you would continue to build up this body together to help one another as we all seek to love and live like Jesus. In your name. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.RobbinsvilleFBC.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.